Hey, where's he going? We're all set. Forget it. He was too impressed to have you arrested. We did it again. Screwed up in reverse. I keep telling you, we gotta give up this preoccupation with keeping people alive or we'll never get out of here. It's no use. We're doomed. We can't call it Suicidist Podcast. Why not? Because I still think Draining the Swamp is a better name. The SEO on Draining the Swamp is going to be fucked. Suicide has great SEO. <laughs> I guarantee There's you... There's nothing you can search with suicide in Google that doesn't come up with, like, hotlines and phone numbers. <laughs> I guarantee you that if you search Drain the Swamp podcast, you will get, like, a hundred QAnon things. And all of them have watched MASH, so all of them will be listening. <laughs> Hi, welcome to as of yet unnamed Mash Rewatch podcast. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll kick around some ideas. Uh, see, a, a podcast about three army doctors would be great if there were more than two of us. I mean, we're not doctors. It's still about the doctors. Anyway, so I wanted to watch Mash with you. Mm-hmm. You uh, you've been on Mash for a while. You're I've a big been, Mash head. Uh, so uh, one of the posters I have in my room that I'm pointing at right now is I got a little uh, Mash four oh seven seventh poster I've had in my room for anyway. Anyway, I, I've been in. I I've liked the show Mash because my dad and stepdad watched it because I'm a military brat. Uh, you know nobody's perfect. Um, and. I kind of just, like, grew up with a fondness for these characters that I didn't really, like, realize I had until adulthood and realizing I'm the only one my age that knows anything about MASH. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and the other kids that uh, edited, the t- edited the TV Tropes page back in uh, 2007. Because we were stuck watching it on TV land with our stepdads. Um, but also, you have no... Oh, by the way, I'm Zach. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm Maxie. How's it going? Um, you have no history with MASH, right? Uh, the only times I've watched MASH have been with you. Yeah, I've, I've shown we've you... we've only a, seen like a few episodes before this podcast. I, I've shown you a few scattered episodes over the years. Mm-hmm. Mostly in the later seasons. Mostly in the later seasons, because that is what um, I mostly grew up watching and like remembering. Um, and my stepdad was like, you know, he had his, his, uh, MASH fandom opinions and he was very much a late MASH guy. So that's ended up what I ended up watching most of, but, but it's such a long running show and it is, was such a popular show at the time. I feel like I really want to just like revisit it and go through the whole thing and like watch its evolution. Cause it starts a lot different than like the vibe of the later episodes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so like a few days ago, oh, oh, by the way, I should say there are 256 episodes of this show. Um, okay, so that's approximately four years if we did one episode at a time, which we're not we, doing. We're not doing. Um, I, I think between two and three would be good. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. Uh, this time we did three. Uh, we did the pilot, which 
you'd think maybe it would be like you know a double ep you know to introduce us to the characters in the world you got to take like a long time to to like set up everything in the pilot episode presumably as the episode you're pitching to networks but i guess technically the movie i guess was more of a pilot episode which i've never seen mm-hmm so the pilot of MASH is just very much like a normal episode of the show. Yeah, it, just, it sort of treats things like you already know the characters, which I don't think is necessarily a bad approach, because it does a good job of like selling you on them without being like, here's Hawkeye's intro scene, here's Trapper John's intro scene, etc., etc. Yeah, so like just to take you through the main players of MASH, you got Hawkeye, who's the main character, um wisecracking surgeon who doesn't want to be here should we like go even one further step back and say what the fuck this show is about yeah sure uh so it is set in should we start over no no we're, we're keeping it going okay. i like how this is i like the energy so mash is a show adapted from a movie adapted from a novel about essentially essentially a surgical base during the korean war um, people who are wounded in action on, uh, you know, the U.S. South Korea side are sent there, and they describe it as basically trying to patch them up well enough that they can send them to a better hospital to get actually fixed up. Yeah, and it and it's generally um, expected that like anyone who passes through uh, the mash is probably like going home afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're just really patching up these people so they can be sent home so um right so another weird thing about this show is that it aired during the vietnam war mm-hmm. so it's got this very sometimes whiplashy tone of trying to be a popular american show on a on what was it, NBC, CBS? I, I don't actually know. Right, but also being like, hey, maybe a war's fucked up. Maybe yeah. we shouldn't just be sending people who are barely adults to go shoot communists. And, and you know, just like general, like, kind of touching on uh, American interventionism and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, it's something that stays throughout the whole series, but in these early episodes, it is real whiplashy with, um... There's this, um, there's actually this great Futurama bit, which is, uh, parodying MASH, where they have a robot Hawkeye who literally just has a toggle between, like, jovial and maudlin. It's <laughs> uh, really good, actually. And the punchline is him going, like, this isn't a war, this is a murder, and then he flicks it, this ain't a war, it's a moita. <laughs> So you never, yeah, you have seen Mash. We don't need to do this show. <laughs> uh, I saw you wrote something down about the original creator of Mash, oh, yeah. a novel about three army doctors. Yes, so I, I was reading about the book uh, earlier, and it's really funny that so so Richard Hooker, um, the guy that wrote the original book, um, are you laughing at the man's name? Is Dick Hooker? <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Oh, that was his uh, his pen name. He he was kind of a uh, real Hawkeye, you know. So he's always making quips, making jokes. Um, his real name was Richard Hornberger. <laughs> Shut the hell up! No, it wasn't. Um. So 
a really funny detail that I read on on his Wikipedia page was that he did not really like the TV show that was eventually adapted from his book. Uh, too liberal for him. It clashed with his conservative views, uh, the Wikipedia page said, which is... Um, I don't know, man. That kind of, like, dissonance is always really funny to me when you got such, like an obvious anti-war message and then it's it's like how um uh arlo guthrie um kid of woody guthrie he's like a libertarian he's like right? a hardcore libertarian he's like how how is your dad arlo guthrie or woody guthrie and you think mash is too liberal for you anyway so yeah so we we hit on the pilot uh man do you just want to like go through the plot of the pilot real quick uh, before i before we touch on the pilot i did want to say it does have one thing of pilot weirdness which is having characters in there that just never show up again uh th th there's three in particular there's um hojon who's this young korean i guess like surgical assistant who... yeah it's it's unclear who what his job actually was just like uh uh the resident plucky boy mm -hmm. of the mash unit yeah the, the pilot deals heavily with uh hawkeye and his friend trapper john trying to basically raise money to send him to medical school in the states and i guess they do it because he's not in any of the later episodes but then there's also um and this one struck me. There's a, a black doctor and a black nurse. And the black doctor actually seems to be, like, the fourth roommate in the swamp. Yeah. So there are... I mean, the book is called A Novel About Three Army Doctors. Mm -hmm. And the third one is, like, a third wisecracking sidekick of Hawkeye and, and Trapper John. Mm -hmm. But he's not in the the show. So that kind of surprises me, because if anything, I would have expected that the third Doctor is... Uh, I forget, is it Henry or... Um, what's what's the, like, stick in the mud guy's oh, name? Oh, Frank. Frank. I, I would have thought it was Frank, and he's, you know, kind of like a yeah, contrast no, to the other two. Uh, Frank is in the book, and he kind of serves the same role of just the, the guy that they always prank on. Mm. So yeah, just to round out the the main characters of this show, we talked, we talked about Hawkeye, we talked about Trapper John... There's uh, Henry, Colonel Henry, who's uh, the commanding officer of the unit, who's kind of a pussy and a pushover, and I kind of hate him. <laughs> uh, but we'll talk about him a little more, because he's, he's kind of the focus of the second episode. Mm -hmm. um, you got Frank Burns and Hot Lips Houlihan. Yep. And who are the the team rocket of the show they yeah, are they're they, here to at least in the early seasons to to be just pranked on and at the end of the episode they blast away again they they hate wisecracks they hate sympathizing with the victims of war and they love america and they love fucking each other outside of wedlock <laughs> That's the theme through the whole show, really. Is mm. every no greater American pastime than cheating on your wife during wartime. Truly. Um, and finally, there's the company clerk Radar, and he's called Radar because he has extrasensory perception, which seems to be literal in the early seasons, and mm -hmm. just becomes kind of like, oh, he's just like good at hearing and is perceptive in the later ones, but. 
but at least in these early episodes, he is like finishing people's sentences. He is uh, showing up before being called, uh, and, th- and things like that. So that's his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the pilot episode is about um, Hawkeye needs to uh, save up money to take Hojon um, back to the states because he got. Uh, I guess a scholarship at Hawkeye's alma mater. Mm -hmm. And the way they decide to do this is by auctioning off weekend passes to Tokyo, which they're hopefully going to get from Colonel Hank. Hank. Wait, Hank is short for Henry, isn't it? Yeah. A weird one. Henry Hill. Uh, Yeah, no one called. Wait, isn't that the name of the guy from um, The Music Man? Makes you think. <laughs> yeah, I always knew Hank Hill was real conniving. <laughs> Couldn't trust that guy. Um. So yeah, they're they're gonna auction off these weekend passes to Tokyo because Hawkeye surmises that no one, um, or the the one thing everyone in the unit wants is a uh, vacation somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um. And also, they're going to auction off sex with the hot nurse. We haven't really talked about how horny this show is. At least at the start, this is a very horny show. Well, Hawkeye is just a very horny character. And and other characters are also almost as horny as him all the time. That's the thing about Trapper John. I feel like... I don't know if he diverges more before he eventually leaves the show, but... At least in these first couple eps, they do feel like just the same guy twice. Yes, he does feel like the same guy twice. Um, so yeah, if I recall correctly, they initially get the weekend passes approved by Henry, but then uh, Frank and Hulahan like push back on that. They're like, they're gonna they're gonna have uh, an unsanctioned party. You're gonna look bad, and. He's like, eh, never mind. You don't get the weekend passes, so they gotta. Well, specifically, he takes the weekend passes for himself because mm. he just goes off. Next time you see him, he's on a helicopter, going away with with some lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Radar turns out to be cool, and uh, turns out when he was making Henry just sign a bunch of papers earlier in the episode, he got some extra weekend passes signed off yep. for, for for this very specific scenario because he can see the future. So they hold the event, they get the money, which, by the way, they're charging like $10 attendance for this thing, and $10 in 1950 money has to be like, like, I don't know what these people's allowance are that they get here, but damn, that's gotta, that's gotta be like at least 35 bucks. Yeah, um, I mean, the weird thing is, so We really glossed over the part where they're auctioning off a hot nurse for sex. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay. The, the, the thing about the money that struck me was they need like two thousand dollars total for both tuition and like getting Hojon set up in uh, Crab Apple Cove, and that's insane. Inflation has hit hard, man. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm trying to think of how much money. I mean, yeah, now that you say it, that is like relatively cheap for tr- getting someone halfway across the world in 1950. 
Could you imagine growing up in South Korea for your whole life and then moving to Maine? <laughs> what do you think it's like seeing a moose if you've never seen a moose before? Uh, I can tell you what it's like because there was a time where I had not seen a moose before. Can you scooch a little closer, by the way? I'm not sure. I'm not, yes. not too confident about these waveforms I'm seeing. Um, there was a time where I had not seen a moose before, and I saw a taxidermy of a moose at uh, a museum in New Hampshire, and I was just in awe. I mean, he, this moose wasn't even alive, and I was still scared of it. <laughs> well, kids are scared of anything. Let me try that one again. Yeah, well, kids are scared of anything. Adults would be scared of a moose. Have you seen a moose? Yeah, no, moose are huge. They're like some of the only still living megafauna, basically. I'm scared of any animal that you can hit with a car and the animal wins. Mm. Is that... You know, that's true of humans if they have a good lawyer. <laughs> Is that the pilot? That's pretty much the pilot. Like, there are some individual bits that... Oh, no, we didn't even bring up... No, we didn't kind of bring up the, the resolution here, which is... Um, oh, right, yeah, no. The, um, the, the general comes because they get tipped off about this uh, dumb party, and the general is a no-fun-allowed asshole that yeah, doesn't want someone to... and Henry to, are like, you two are... We're gonna have your asses court-martialed for this, but then... For, a bunch for of, raising money for a South Korean boy to get an education. How, how dare, dare you? you? Uh, but then... Radar earlier, I guess, psychically predicted some Canadians were going to get injured. I wasn't clear on how they had foreknowledge of that. But, yeah, some Canadians got injured, and it's like, oh no, we got a whole shipment of soldiers, we got to Yeah, you can't court-martial us now, we have to do surgery and do our jobs. And, and this also becomes a thing where it's like, Hawkeye is too good a doctor to fire he's he we never see him do it but he is real good in there no i mean we see him do it he's just usually flirting with a nurse yeah he's so good time. he can be horny while doing surgery and it's fine maybe he's so good because he's horny maybe it unlocks his superpowers <laughs> hawkeye jacks off once and his hair just like droops down his skin becomes sullen and clammy Starts getting the shakes. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so the, they come out of the um, the operating room and the general is like, those two doctors are the best doctors I've ever seen. You can't fire them for nothing, even if they, no matter how many sitcom hijinks they get into. You hear me? Uh, so yeah, that's the setup of the series. It's weird that Klinger isn't in the pilot at all, considering he becomes a main character later. Yeah, it's... When does Klinger join the cast? Um, so if you go on the Wikipedia page, you can see, like, the cast outline. Yeah, there's um, a little chart. There, there's a chart, kind of like when you look up a long-running prog band on YouTube, you might see a similar chart. Or like when you look up the cast of the Marine. <laughs> Who, oh man, who's the Marine right now? I, I think it's still The Miz, <laughs> but I'm not sure. Uh, I think Maybe he... it'll be Cody. <laughs> He's too old to be the Marine. But he does have that like American flag tattoo or whatever on his neck. Eh, he could be like the Coast Guard or something. <laughs> man, we gotta talk about two more episodes, huh? <laughs> Shit's only been 20, 20 minutes. 
Damn, I need a snack. <laughs> you want to take a break and then edit this bit out? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. You think I'm editing this? <laughs> All right, so season one, episode two, To Market, To Market. Really shitty title. Really shitty title. Really should have had something else, maybe, you know, uh, regarding anything in the actual episode. The desk job. That's better. Anyway, so the elevator pitch for this episode is that uh, someone fucked up the shipments for medical supplies into the camp, right? Mm -hmm. So Hawkeye needs to... um, figure out where to get some hydrocortisone, which is apparently an important chemical that you can't just get more of. Did you look up what it is? No, but apparently it's very important. I can look it up. All right, so while you look it up, I'm just going to talk through the rest of this. So the B-plot of this episode is that Henry's got a real nice new desk in his office, and he's, like, coming all over this desk, (laughs) except not really, because then he's always, like, cleaning it all the time. Uh, it's like a hundred year old antique or something yeah and this is like the 50s right so it's like probably some shitty old civil war desk okay uh it says that hydrocortisone is used for uh, adrenocortical insufficiency which sounds like a adrenaline slash heart issue okay um high blood calcium arthritis asthma and some other stuff i think the big thing is you know Heart stuff and adrenaline would probably be very important in a military scenario. Sure. All right, so they need more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually do order a second shipment, but when it gets there, it's been picked clean for like the black market. Yeah, so that be- kind of becomes like where they go next is, I guess, talking with some U.S. general, what some some like. Who was that guy that they talked to? Was this the one where the Australian... No, the Australian's in the next episode. The, the, the random Aussie is in the next episode. Um, God, I can't fucking remember who tells them about the black market. I think they might already know about it. No, 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 no. Just... I'm saying who is the guy that they go to in his office? Oh, uh, my understanding is he is a local South Korean black marketeer. Like, yeah. Not like a super big deal, but enough of a major player in the Seoul area. So yeah, so and I, I guess um, Hawkeye and Trapper already know about this guy because they are of unscrupulous character. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go to him, they try to figure out what it, what's it going to take for them to get some hydrocortisone off the black market. Turns out it's $10,000. So that would take five different fundraisers and a hot nurse mm-hmm. to do. So they can't do that. They offer to like barter with him, but he's just like, I already got like shit tons of every kind of medical supply. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Like, he shows tires. off how, how many, how many, how much shit he's stolen or procured. Yeah, but then they see, oh, this guy's got like kind of a shitty desk. And come on, you're 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 a big deal. You should look like a big deal. You should have a nicer desk than that, don't you think? So yeah, they 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 do the entire uh, the 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 con man shtick on him to get him really invested in this new desk, mm-hmm. and now the rest of the episode is is desk heist. How do we get the desk out from Henry's office? Yes, and first they need to show him the desk to sell him on it. <laughs> yeah, hold on, we're we're getting to uh, the joke of the night. <laughs> So he pretends to be like a South Korean general to get an audience with uh, Henry. And while they're doing that, he like 
plays up his accent and kind of like pretends to be more of a bumpkin than he is. It's a little weird. It's 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 they play it up a little, maybe too strong. But yeah, they're doing the whole uh, racist accent bit, and they save it when Henry pours a drink for him, and then still trying to do the bit where he's trying to throw Henry off, lifts up the drink and says "Lechayim," and it's perfect. It's really good. Actually, got, got a good guffaw out of the both of us. Um, so yeah, that one important thing I should say, we are watching these episodes without laugh tracks, mm-hmm. which is the way to go, I think. Right, because there was a with laugh track edit. Um, I know that there was never a laugh track in the surgery scenes. You mentioned this. Yeah, yeah. So um, they said the showrunner said when the show started they didn't want canned laughter in any of the surgery scenes, which mm-hmm. they they did get allowed that. Um, but they had canned laughter in the rest of the show when the show aired in the uk apparently they don't like care about that kind of thing so and apparently there was one airing in which the u.s version was aired in the uk and like the the broadcaster got complaints like what is this what is this bullshit um which is what they sound like over there Um, so yeah, in the UK airings, no laugh track at all through the whole thing. Um, and those are the airings that I have access to thanks to, uh, archive.org, the best website on the internet. Mm-hmm. Just all the episodes are up, up there. I should probably download them all in case, um, that guy that wrote all the Star Wars novels doesn't like MASH. Mm-hmm. I forget his name. It's like Chuck Wendig. I was going to say Chuck Wendig, but then I was like, that could have been like some other guy. I don't know. So important thing. The local black market guy is like, okay, I'm in for the desk. I'm going to send a truck here at 0600. You need to have the desk out by then. My guy's not going to wait. And his guy has actually uh, met Frank. He was trying to sell him some watches. He's, like, in this military uniform. He's just, like, pulling up his pant leg to show off all these wristwatches, which is a pretty good gag. Uh, But that means that when he actually does show up, Hank recognizes him and, like, gets spooked. Starts starts some shit. Yeah, so they're under very tough time constraints to get this desk out of the office in time. Now Hank is grilling the the van driver, trying to chase him off. Radar is trying to get out there to try to assuage the situation a bit, buy some more time. They're also locked in the office because earlier Hank and Houlihan were like checking in. Like, I thought I heard something. Oh, you mean Frank and Houlihan. Yeah. Sorry. Frank and Houlihan checked in on them. It's like, huh, must be getting tired. Let's make out. (laughs) Uh, and then they did, and then they fucked off, but they locked him in the office. Because for some reason, the commanding officer's office locks from the outside. <laughs> it's so weird. Um, so th- the only way out they decide is through, so they enti- they cut down the entire back wall of the office. Which, what is what are these places made out of? I mean, they've got to be like set up pretty quickly. Well, it's yeah, like a- yeah. I mean, one, I'd be pissed if, like, I was living in tents and then my commanding officer gets walls, mm-hmm. even if they're just, like, thin drywall. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm assuming it's a pretty, like, a step above a set, yes. basically. 
Um, it's one of those portable classrooms. <laughs> oh man. Um, saying stuff about portable classrooms really bringing back some memories. Anyway. Where the hell were we? Uh, they cut down the back wall and they start carrying the table out. But Frank is still out front and being a real pain in the ass. So they have to like go around him. They end up pretending. They throw a tarp over the desk and they pretend that they're praying. Because Frank is a very right. religious man and he takes that seriously. It's like it, it's, they dropped... Um... Ned Flanders into the show for five seconds mm-hmm. uh, just for this one gag in which Homer tries to tell him he's they're praying out on the front desk yeah, or whatever. Um, so yeah, Hank... Uh, now I'm calling him Hank. Uh, Frank buys that, um, but it's too late. The van's gone. Mm-hmm. And then the final sight gag of the episode is... Uh, Henry getting back from wherever he was, I guess getting up in the morning, because I guess they did this overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, and a helicopter kind of like crests a hill in the back, and you see the desk dangling from the helicopter as it flies, uh, presumably to Seoul. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really wanted a good... I really wanted it to just slam into the side of a hill that it ri- the fr- the perspective looked perfect for it to just do that. Um, but it didn't. It just flies away. And I liked this episode more than I thought I would for a second episode in the series. This is honestly really well constructed. It is not as... I'm using the word sitcom-y a lot. If you know what I mean, it feels like... There are certain plots in this series that feel very unique and well-crafted. They hold up. And then there's ones like episode three where it's like, what, did they just do a Three Stooges short for this? What's going on here? This is one, This is a good one. And I think it is honestly really impressive that they were able to just bang one out like this first season. I don't know what the production order was like. Maybe they had several yeah. episodes that got reshuffled, but... This is a good one. Trying to think of... I mean, like, you know... I'm always impressed with any show that uses a helicopter in any of its filming. Mm -hmm. Because that seems like the hardest shit to do. And you gotta be, like, so specialized to be able to do it. Whether it's aerial shots. Whether it's just having a helicopter in the shot. Whether whether it's having a helicopter carry a desk. And not slam into anything. I wonder if they had more than one desk. On set. In case something happened. A backup desk. Um, it was kind of sad seeing Henry back on his shitty old desk in the next episode. He just got like... It, it looks like a fucking like... A, a tin like kitchen island that you would see in a commercial kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, season one, episode three. Requiem for a Lightweight. Which is... Speaking of a sitcom episode, this feels like a, a season eight episode where they were running out of ideas. Extreme. And, and just like, well, it's a situation comedy. So what kind of situation can we come up this week? And they forgot the comedy part. I will say, though, the title, very good. 
is it? Uh, well, it's a play on Requiem for a Heavyweight, which I want to say was a Twilight Zone episode, but it might have been a movie. Um, but in this case, it's a lightweight because the guy sucks at boxing. So yeah, after yet another um, opening scene where everyone was doing surgery and flirting at the same time. They're flirting especially hard because there's like a new super hot nurse. Maybe a little too much flirting. Like have a little bit of professionalism, you No, guys. he needs to keep his boner up or his hands will start shaking. <laughs> He'll make the incision wrong. We all need distractions from the horror of war. <laughs> Um, so yeah, basically, how does the plot of this episode even get set up? Henry's talking to uh, a general on the phone, and something gets brought up about, um, like some intra units, uh, boxing, boxing, match, boxing yeah. tournament. And th this other guy, he's got like a real killer, he's got the Ivan Drago of. <laughs> Is, army doctor presumably I guess. this guy's a doctor also right yeah hey i guess he didn't take the hippocratic oath too seriously <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah they, the 4077 needs to find someone who can box mm -hmm. and for some reason they decide uh trapper john because maybe we can give him some sort of personality trait and maybe this is a chance to do that? Yeah, the specific scenario is this hot new nurse, Hawkeye flirts with her a little too much, and Houlihan is like, hey, stop being a fucking pervert to my personnel, which, honestly, may be fair. Maybe, maybe a little fair. I mean, like, uh, it depends she, if that nurse was, like, having a problem with it, I guess. I mean, yeah. listen, she did seem receptive, but also, you know. Um... So what Houlihan does is basically she has the nurse transferred and Hawkeye and Trapper John freak out like, no, that nurse is so hot. We got to get her back. Also, she's probably like a good nurse or whatever, but she's so hot. We're never going to fuck her like this. And they go to completely forgot about the other hot nurse. That was the that was the pilot was all about her. Mm -hmm. We don't care about her anymore. We got this new hot nurse. So, yeah, they go to Henry and they're like, listen, you got to get this nurse transferred back. And he's like. Okay, I'll do it if one of you can go three rounds against the killer. Which is his stage name, the killer. Mm -hmm. It's better than Kid Doctor, kid. which is what Trapper John goes with. <laughs> really, really bad on both of them, honestly. Um, my favorite line of this episode is when Hawkeye just tells, uh, is trying to convince Trapper to do the boxing match instead of himself. Mm -hmm. uh, and he just says, you have a cute body. It's very gay. Um, and it's not, it, it, it's like said amongst a bunch of quips, but isn't said like a quip. Yeah. It, and it just kind of like, you got a cute body. Yeah, the specific setup is basically Hawkeye's like, ah, eh, well, I used to box, but oh, oh my arms, oh my up. shoulder, you oh. know, you know how it is with this shoulder and all. You do know how it is with this shoulder I'm and all. I'm gonna crack my shoulder right now. Damn. It did it. The gates on the mic. It didn't show up. Aww. But. Uh, but yeah, so he's like, listen, I'll train you up, and then you just do the best you can. But the thing is that Trapper John is a doctor, and the only exercise he gets is fucking. So, uh, it doesn't go great, so they decide to cheat. 
and so, they go to this Australian man who's For some there. reason, at the boxing match, they're getting set up, and there's just an Australian guy coaching them, like, like beforehand, telling them what's gonna, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, the thing you got to do, Trapper, is you got to jab. Right? Keep jabbing. Jab, jab, jabbing. Right? He's just Australian, I guess. I, I, Listen, sometimes people are Australian. I didn't Every, take everyone a, is different. No two people are the was, same. Was there Australian presence in Korea at this time? Fuck if I know. I didn't know there was Canadian presence in Korea at this time. That I can believe just because... Sure, they're right next door. They're, they're sure right next door. I'm sure we like a strategic door. alliance. Yeah. Um, is Australia NATO? I'm looking this up. Here's how politically unaware I am. Was NATO around in the 50s? I don't know that either. Also, it looks like Australia was only granted Enhanced Opportunities Partners status in 2014, so I doubt they were a member of NATO in 1950-whatever. Anyway, there's an Australian here, and he's like, Listen, this is a Three Stooges-ass plot. We're gonna do a Three Stooges-ass technique. You're gonna soak your glove in ether. And you you just get you don't even have to punch him. You just have to get your glove under his nose and just keep it there. Which honestly, it it is a really good visual gag because that's how the entire fight is structured. It is really funny. They do multiple shots of of him trying not to get clobbered in the fight while just holding the glove out in front of him. Um, do you know how the guys with the torches fight in Elden Ring? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, she's laughing, so, you know, she gets it. They do just, like, poke the torch at you. And sometimes when they get close, they just, like, push you and then push you again. And... But they just hold the torch out, and yeah. you can't you can't get in. It's impenetrable. You know what? He should have tried a jump attack, killer. <laughs> he should have read the messages outside the ring. Um, But the thing is, when they go to soak Trapper's glove... Uh, it's been swapped out for ordinary water by Frank and Hulahan for some reason. I think they want to foil foil their plans. You oh, know how right, they are. right, right. They don't want the nurse transferred back because Hulahan hates it when other people fuck. <laughs> yes, okay, yes. Um, but then that ends up just being nothing because, like, then the next round, Hawkeye's like, "Oh wait, someone replaced the ether with water." They replace it with ether again, and then the plan works. Mm-hmm. So, like, what was the point? Oh, uh, the point was to buy a little more time with uh, Trapper running around with his gay little arm out. <laughs> buy a little more time so we can get to twenty-two minutes broadcast. Listen, we got to make 24 episodes. This season orders for 24 episodes. Damn. We do need to talk about the ending of this episode. It's, you know, it's pretty thin on plot. There's not too much to discuss there. Oh, yeah. I caught a continuity error. Continuity error with Radar's cigar. Radar's chewing on an uh, unlit cigar during the, the, uh, the boxing match. And I actually really like it. It's a really good background gag where everyone's, like, chomping on these lit cigars and, and, uh, radars isn't even lit because he's like 17 or whatever um even though the actor is like 37 and then it just between shots it'll disappear and appear again maybe he's actually smoking them but he's just doing it really 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 fast fast. he's just like like in a cartoon just in one drag just (laughs) 
Uh, but yeah, the episode ends, basically, the ether plan works, Killer goes down, the nurse gets transferred back to the unit, and uh, Trapper John starts flirting with her a bunch, and Hawkeye's trying to get in, like, hey, you know, I coached him. Uh, I used to box, but my arm. Uh, and he just gets iced, and they presumably fuck. You think they fucked in front of him? <laughs> I don't know what kind of shit Hawkeye and his boyfriend are up to, is all I'm saying. I think they let Hawkeye watch. Okay. Uh, they definitely fucked in front of Frank. <laughs> and he didn't leave, because he was too mad. <laughs> and also, he was, he was popping he was, a stiffy, and it would have hurt to walk. He was reading the Bible with just a scowl on his face. So yeah, that was the first three episodes of MASH. So we're about, um, I think, 1.3% through the entire thing. What are you thinking so far? Should I give an answer pretending I've only seen the first three episodes? Or should I give the actual answer? You've seen like six episodes total. Mm -hmm. Let's not get carried away. Okay, listen. It's definitely still finding its footing. But I've yes. seen some episodes from later in the series, and I do think it's going to find that footing. Um, any any favorite characters so far? A anyone popping out as someone you actually care about? I mean, Hawkeye's good. I think he works really well as the protagonist. I think something that a lot of media does. I think this is usually less of a problem with sitcoms, but it's not unknown. Like I feel like Jerry is the least interesting of the main four on Seinfeld. I feel like a lot of media, they make the protagonist the least interesting because they're trying to make them the most relatable mm -hmm. and everybody around them is bouncing off of them. But I don't think that's a problem with Hawkeye. I think he's pretty compelling. I like his quips. Uh, his actor does a real good job. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I think Alan Alda in particular just does a good quip. He's got the voice for it. I, you know, his accent serves him well mm -hmm. in giving off kind of like the Groucho vibes. Yeah. Um. And yeah, like, I feel like Alan Alda is good at making his character's quips sound like they're actually off the dome. Yes, absolutely. Um, but other than him, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm kind of into Henry. Um, I'm, oh yeah, go on, go on. Frank serves the plot well enough, but I'm not, like, super interested in him, and I feel yeah. like his job could be done just as easily by just who led. I'm really into this version of Radar that's mm -hmm. in these early episodes as, like, like the co-conspirator always doing deals on the down low to help out Hawkeye and Trap. Um, but that's, like, so not what his character turns into. Mm -hmm. His character turns into, like, the oh, oh, golly, gee, guys, like, I'm just reading comic books and talking about my old family farm. And that's kind of like what Radar's character turns into. So seeing him uh, kind of have the... Uh, I mean, the clinger job, right? The, the clinger role, yeah. Is is kind of funny. But yeah, I, I mean, it's gonna, it's, it's gonna be a real gradual thing. Um, I'm, I'm really interested in just like how... Because cause this is such a long-running show, and the the um the writing credits eventually get overhauled, like, completely. Like, the, the writing staff at the beginning of the show, complete ship of Theseus from the end of the show. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I feel like that's the only reason why the characters seem to actually develop as much as they do, just because you're, you get other people in the writing room, they're gonna eventually have different, like, takes on these characters. But that kind of surprises me, because I feel like a lot of the time when people talk about that with sitcoms, they talk about how, like, yeah, the new writing staff didn't really get the characters, yeah. and they gradually get more exaggerated. This feels like sort of an inversion of that, where the characters still work pretty well and in some cases get more nuanced or find more of a niche. I'm out of stuff to say. That's alright. Turns out there's not a lot to say about the first three episodes of a show in which they haven't quite found their footing yet. Mm-hmm. So hopefully I'm just trying to like get across like my history with this show. Um, and see how much of it is like how much of my reverentness that's a word uh for this show is like deserved and how much of this is rose tinted glasses how much of this um honestly i'm super interested in going through it just like kind of thinking about uh, the time it was produced kind of like the anti-war message that it was allowed to mm-hmm. to give at the time and like the specific modes in which it tried to convey that message um, you know, all of that shit combined with, like, how this was literally the most popular show in the country at the time that it was airing at its peak. Doesn't it still hold, like, a lot of records? Uh, the finale, uh, Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen still holds the record for highest percentage of television sets tuned in to the same broadcast that wasn't a Super Bowl. It's beaten. It's been beaten by sporting events since, but mm-hmm. it, as far as a scripted show goes, it's still the record. There's an old urban legend that uh, New York City's plumbing um, had like a problem, a surge problem, three minutes after the end of the last episode. Uh, I don't know how true that is. I think it's just an urban legend, but would have been real bad for the Gators <laughs> and the Turtles. Mm. but yeah that's that's mash episodes one through three uh we're probably gonna do three more episodes next time hopefully uh i mean the sooner we can get out of season one the better right that's Mm -hmm. how it always goes long-running shows i feel like yeah but yeah uh thank you for listening no one's listening to this. You don't know that. <laughs> well, once we're like a year in, it'll be more established. People will come back to the first one and see how bad this one was. <laughs> oh, how far they came. It's just like the show. Man, it was so weird how on episode three of Suicide's podcast, they just had a <laughs> boxing match. <laughs> we can't do that because obviously I would win. And yeah, there must be a different podcast because I don't know any podcast by that name. Thank you for listening to Drain the Swamp. (laughs) We'll be back next time. I'm Zach. I'm Maxie. Did you have a sign-off in mind? We'll think of one later. 